Hey, this is David Dearman. I'm the pastor at Memphis Tabernacle, and this is our podcast. I wanted to thank you for joining us today. I hope that this message inspires you and builds your faith. I hope that it gives you fresh insight and strength to see God move in your life. Enjoy the message. Boy, I enjoyed that choir song today. I was I didn't know where it was going. I never heard that before. I mean, I never heard that rendition before. That was cool. Awesome. I was raised in church um, as a as a little baby. I think I think my mom popped me out in church. I mean, I'm just kidding. I think my mom birthed me in church. I mean, I was just raised in in church. I remember since I was a little kid, and I was uh, I went to a church in Bellflower, California, and we had a big choir. And they would say, I mean, I felt like I was in church every night. And we would sing songs like that. And they would have the robes. I remember there were red robes, you know, and they would have robes. And they're just, I mean, it was, it was, they were doing a dance. And, and, it, and sometimes they'd run the aisles. I mean, if anyone uh, charismatic or Pentecostal and you try to explain to me, well, they're a little bit wild. No, I've seen it all. <laughs> I've seen it all. And I just praise the Lord for, uh, for uh, people's passion for Jesus. I don't think the Lord minds it, you know, passion for Jesus. I think he'd, I've heard someone say, I'd rather a little wildfire than no fire at all. Come on. So uh, I don't think we get any wildfire. I think we, we could step out a little bit more and just be... When I see some people at the games, you know, like how about, let me, t- let me, the Bible says whatever thing is good, think on these things. How about that Grizzly game where we whoop the, the behinds of the Warriors on sun, southern, Northern California people right here. The Warriors on, come on. <laughs> yeah, no, 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 no. I don't want to talk about the last game. I want to talk about the game. Come on, somebody. Let's give it up for those Grizzlies. Yeah. <laughs> Boy, it wasn't a good night in our household um, the other night when the warrior, let's just not talk about that, okay. Let's just move forward. The Lord is good. The Lord is great and greatly to be praised. Amen. All right. Hey, the main thing, I want to talk about uh, something called the compound effect today. And here's the main thing. I have one point. I have one point. And here's what I want you to get. Listen, this is the one point today. The main thing is the most important thing when it comes to God using you, it's not about your gift, but about your motivation and purpose in using it. I just want, I want, I want you to catch that. The most important thing when God is using you, it's not about, the big deal is not about your gift, but it's about your motivation and purpose in using it. I think that God looks more, not about, he's, God has seen the most talented people and God has seen the most gifted people in the world. You think the Lord's impressed by anyone? He's like, whoa, where did that come from? (laughs) Do you think God ever says that? No. But I think sometimes he sees gifts and says, whoa, where did that come from? Like it came from a place that maybe it shouldn't have, you know. It's not about your gift. It's about your motivation and purpose for using the gifts. I think that's where the Lord where he really looks, and that's what I want to go over today. So here's where we're going. I'm going to talk about how love releases the gift. I'm going to talk about a Jezebel spirit, about a religious spirit. I'm going to talk about somebody says, that's right. No, 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 no. (laughs) You You may elbow the person about a Jezebel spirit, and they'll elbow you back about a religious spirit. (laughs) 
Let's not, no elbows thrown in this room today. Isn't that right? Okay. I'm going to talk about a Jezebel spirit, religious spirit. And then I'm just going to uh, close with how to check your motives. How to check with where your motivation is. That's what your motives, your motivation. What, what drives you? What drives you in life? What drives you in using your gifts? So stay with me. This is an important one right here. This is an important one, okay? Father, I pray that as we open your word, that we would catch what you have to say in Jesus' name. Amen. Let me ask you a question today. How many talented people do you know? It doesn't have to be in church or outside of church. How many gifted and talented people you know? Some of the most gifted, talented people. You know, we talk about in basketball the GOAT or sports. They talk about who's the GOAT, the greatest of all time. And you look at them and you say, well, they are the greatest, but the way they carry themselves and act, I don't like them. Anybody know someone like that? Yeah. I, I, I think that I can't argue. They're arguably the best, but I don't even want to say they're the best because they're conceited. They're a jerk. They put down other people. They're full of themselves. Even though they are good, they're full of themselves. Or maybe there's people who are gifted and talented at certain things and you, you think you have such a huge respect for them, but because their motivation is somewhere else, you just... You lose all respect. Anybody know what I mean? You lose all respect for them. Um, in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, and I want to just go to the very last verse of 1 Corinthians 13. Very last verse as we start. It says this. It says, and now abide faith. Read it with me. Faith, hope, and love, these things. But the greatest of these is love and then he goes on in 14 and says, pursue, by the way, uh, I want to remind you, the Bible's not written in chapter and verse. The Bible's just was written by the Holy Spirit, but written through man. And it was written, and then hundreds of years later, they came and they added chapter and verse in order so you'd know where, we'd know where it was, okay? So if we just read this, it says, now abide faith, hope, and love, these three, but the greatest of these, read it with me, the greatest of these is love, pursue love. And desire spiritual gifts, but especially that you may prophesy. Notice he says, pursue love and desire spiritual gifts. We should all desire to be used by God. How many in this room desire to be used by God today? How many desire for the gifts of the Spirit to flow through you? Yeah, we should all desire that, but we shouldn't pursue that. We should pursue, because see, your pursuit is what's on the inside of you. Your desire, you, it's inside also, but he's saying, don't go after your gift. Go after love. Pursue love and desire spiritual gifts. Desire gifts, but go after love. Desire spiritual gifts, but pursue what is driving those gifts. So what is the compound effect? The compound effect is this. It's your gifts plus love equals effective ministry. Your gifts plus love equals effective ministry. Your gifts plus selfishness or anything else equals bad fruit. Equals something that will pass away. Equals something that's going to mess things up. And then he says... Uh, in um, 1 Corinthians chapter 14, the next chapter over, 1 Corinthians 14 verse 12, I want to go down to that. It says, even so, Corinthian church or New Testament church, 
Since you are zealous for spiritual gifts, like if you knew about this church, you'd know what's the characteristic about their church. They want to be used in the gifts. You know, sometimes people will describe churches like that. I want to go to the, because they, they allow the gifts of the Spirit. He's saying, since you're zealous for the gifts of the Spirit, let it be for or for the purpose of the edification of the church that you seek to excel. He's saying, what you, the best thing for a church to be known by is that church loves to build one another up. That church loves to see depressed people walking into the church and victorious people walking out of the church. Would you be more excited about the gifts of the Spirit moving or are you more excited about people walking out in victory because of the gifts of the Spirit moving? He's saying desire spiritual gifts to operate, but pursue love. Are you with me today? Okay. Pursue love, even though you're zealous. Uh, he says, your, your zeal and your passion about your gift staying active, you, you should stay passionate about it. But make sure that your zeal and your passion is to love people. Because I think we've probably all seen people use their gifts, and at the end of the day, they walked away and think, what did they say about me? They didn't compliment me. Or, or did they really like what I did? Did they notice what I did? Because if you walk away from an interaction with someone thinking about you and their response to you, then the motivation was the gifts were to serve you, not them. But if you walk away and you say, were they changed? Were they loved? Were they exhorted? Were they built up? How were they affected by that? And really, sometimes you walk away and say, you know, I know many times I've walked away and said, I think I did a pretty horrible job at, at using my gifts. But somehow God came through and they were exhorted. Am I still happy about that? Absolutely. Why? Because the point wasn't my approach. The way I said it. <laughs> the point was that they got what they needed. Right? That's what he's saying. Pursue love and make sure that your zeal is for the edification of the church, your zeal and your passion. So I think it's just good, it's important to ask us, what is driving you? What drives you? Not just in church, but outside of church. What, what is your passion? What's your zeal? What are you going after? Remember, there's not, like a, uh, there's not like a letter that's written for the inside of the church, and then we say, how can I apply that to my outside life too? No, this is life. This is the life of a Christian, the life of a believer. You should be using your gifts on a day, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, as well as Sunday. You should be using your gifts for other people. What is driving you? It, what's driving you, your love or your goals? I mean, just ask yourself that question. What's, what's driving? Look, in fact, pull out those 2022 gold, gold lists. What, the goal list. What's driving you, your love or your goals? What are you passionate about? Accomplishing something for self or accomplishing something through self for others? Pursue love. Make your goals love goals. Somebody say amen. Pursue love. What is pursue love? Pursue the love that's in you and desire the spiritual gifts that come upon you. 
But pursue the love. Let love be your driving force. It's not just about your gift being used. It's about what is driving your gift, your internal motivation. See, God is excited about your gift. God's excited about the gift he gave you. Why? He gave it to you. He gave it to you for a reason. He's not putting down the gifts. But he also knows that he gave it to you for the purpose of it, uh, of, of, of it being gotten, right? It's like if you went and you handed your, uh, your son or your daughter some, uh, a $20 bill and you said, hey, go to the store and get a loaf of bread and some peanut butter and, and go to the store and pick up, you know, some celery and pick up this and here, this should cover it, right? And they came home and they uh, bought, you know, they bought Twinkies and they bought Ding Dongs and they bought Doritos and they bought some dip and then you said, okay, where's my stuff? And you said, well, I went to the store. I used your money. Yeah, but did you use it on what I told you to buy? Wait a minute. You're getting ticky-tacky here. I used your money. I went to the store. I was obedient. But did you use it on what I told you to use it on? And sometimes we say it's not about exercising our gifts that God's impressed about. It's exercising them on the things that he told you to exercise them on. The gifts are for the gifts are not so you feel better about yourself and have good self-esteem. The gifts are to build other people up. So are your gifts being you are we doing what God intended for us to do with our gifts? Somebody say amen. <laughs> if we use our gifts on ourselves, our gifts turn inward. And if our gifts turn inward, it can be a dangerous thing. We, we, we have to keep our gifts flowing outward to be a blessing to others. If our focus becomes our gift, and our, then our focus will become about us. But if our focus becomes love, then our focus will be about others. You know? and, and, and here's how you can tell. Again, when, when you walk away from an interaction, are you thinking more about how they responded or about how they were ministered to and blessed? The focus has to be love and the attention's on them. Self also, self-focus causes a fear of rejection. Self-focus causes insecurity. Self-focus causes a, a, a sense of inadequacy. I remember uh, it was really hard for me to, when I first started speaking years ago, like with, uh, in the Word, for me to stand up in front of someone and, and speak, see, I was always behind a guitar or behind a keyboard and leading worship and saying, this is my comfort zone. But when I'd get out to speak in front of someone, I'd feel really insecure because I was like, oh, man, I'm not used to this and, and this and that. And I remember hearing someone say this, and it changed everything for me. He said, when you're speaking, make sure that your thoughts are about Loving and blessing and feeding people rather than what people think about you. Because insecurity comes from how they look at you. If you're insecure, you're being selfish. If you're insecure, you're being self-aware and really self-preserved. You're trying to protect. It's kind of in us, right? Like I get to the edge and I go, whoa. Self-preservation is a good thing right there so I don't break my leg and I can finish this message, right? It's okay. But it's not a bad thing, but if it becomes a thing to where we're so self-aware that that's really all we're thinking about is, did I deliver or how did I do or what's going on? You know, and when I got to the place where I, I hate to say it, but where I just said, I don't care. 
I suck today, but I don't care. You may all hate me today, but I don't care. I, I'm doing the best I know how to do. It's not that I don't care about you. It's I don't care about me. Or I don't care about me more than I care about you. See, we have to get to the place where we just say, I did the best I knew how to do. I brought everything to the table. It's not, I don't care, like, by the way, you all, I don't know what I'm speaking on today because I don't care. No, I'm not talking about that. But I'm saying at the end of the day, we bring everything we have to the table and we lay it out on the field, so to speak. And we walk away and we say, I did everything I could do. And, I'm, and, and I'm, I just hope you're blessed. I hope, and I know the Lord fills in the gaps because he's going to need to anyway. Love releases our, our gifts. It says in the book of Galatians chapter 5 verse 6, faith working through love. See, our faith, our gifts, our, our stepping out in our graces, it works through love. And, and the, it, it actually eliminates the fear of rejection and the missing the mark and insecurity and self-protection and those kinds of things. In fact, in 1 John chapter 5, it says, perfect love casts out fear. Do you know that faith is not the opposite of fear? Love is. Faith is not the opposite of fear because it doesn't say walk in faith, don't walk in fear. No, it says walk in love, don't walk in fear. If you can be made perfect in love, then what happens? Fear will leave. Fear will leave. When you've been made perfect in love, fear will leave. So what do we have to do? We have to pursue love. And what happens to fear when we pursue love? Huh? It leaves. You still with me this morning? Jesus, the Bible says that Jesus was moved with compassion or moved with love for people. Let me just read you a couple of these things. It says, he was moved with compassion and he healed their sick in uh, Matthew 14, 14. He was moved with compassion and he healed the leper in Mark 1, 41. He was moved with compassion because he saw that they, they were like sheep without a shepherd. And so he began to teach them in Mark 6, 34. He was moved. Ministry flowed out of the love that he had in his heart. I remember talking to a guy that I worked with that, uh, that he actually was on our team, uh, on our ministry team uh, a few years ago. He's a pastor, senior pastor of a church today. But I remember he came to me and he said something very profound to me. And it was just simple. He was trying to say, he said, hey, you know what I noticed? He said, sometimes um, when I'm going to text you, he said, I'll pull out my phone and and I, I write a text, and sometimes if it's something that I, I don't agree with or something that I really, it's like touchy, I'll, I'll really write it, and then I read it, and then I read it, and then I read it, and then I'll fix it, and then I'll read it. He said, sometimes it could take me 20 minutes to write a text you or an email. He said, that could take an hour sometimes. And I said, are you kidding me? Why? He said, that's what I had to ask myself. He said, I realized I had something against you. Or I had something that I was afraid of. Or I had something that was bought. And I, and I had to make sure it was read perfect or said perfect or, or written perfect because I wasn't sure how you were going to take it. And then how you were going to come back and say, you know, talk to me. And then it was going to be something. So I, so I just had to realize I had to deal with the Lord about that. And I had to say, Lord, I'm going to get over this mess. I'm going to get over it. Because he said, I have, too much, I have so much communication with you that it was taking me too long to communicate. Do you know that lack of love and when there's a hindrance in a relationship, it takes more time. Yeah. Yeah. It takes more time. 
I mean, there's things where, you know, if you communicate with someone all the time, sometimes, you know, I'm texting back and forth with Mark or with Tiffany, and every once in a while, you know, I say Siri, and then I send, and I go, oh, whoops, hey, I didn't mean, I didn't mean that, I meant this, right? Well, I'm not, like, freaking out. No, because we have relationship. We have a good flow going on. And I remember uh, t- telling, telling this guy that I work with, my brother, I said, hey, look, uh, don't worry about it, man. If you say something... If you say something and you mess it all up, that's okay. I'll ask you about it. Like, what did you mean by that? Why? Because love believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. And he said, no, I want to tell you the issue, and I'm not trying to point this out for me. I'm trying to point out what he said. He said, the issue wasn't you. The issue was me. I had to get some things right. And ever since then, i it, tell you what it did. It made me trust him more. It made me trust him more. Motivation. Has to be love. Move with compassion. The gifts of the Spirit flow out of love. I want you to turn over to the book of James, chapter 3. And I want to uh, I go through this James, chapter 3. It's, it's, it's one of the best scriptures that I know when it talks about flowing with the, the gifts with the right motivation. James, chapter 3, and verse 13, it says this. Did you find it? Look on the screen. It says, or look in your Bible. It says, who is wise... And understanding among you. You know, someone might say, well, I am. And he says, well, then prove it. Let him show it by good conduct that his works are done, notice, in the meekness of wisdom. Not, I'm going to prove you wrong. No, in the meekness of wisdom. Meekness, to come under, gentle. But if you have bitter envy, say bitter envy, and self-seeking, say self-seeking. I want you to remember those two words, bitter envy and self-seeking. If you have bitter envy and self-seeking in your hearts, in other words, in your hearts, if your drive is bitter envy and self-seeking in your hearts, don't lie. and Don't boast and lie against the truth. He's saying, don't say that I'm just trying to use my gifts. Don't lie. Don't boast in it. Humble yourself. <laughs> He's saying, if you have bitter envy, what is bitter envy? It's comparing yourself to other people. When you see someone else succeeding at at something you do, are you happy for them? Well, heck no, someone says. Why should I be? Because you don't have envy. How can you rejoice with those who rejoice, like it says in the body of Christ, if if you have envy? You see someone and you were praying for a car because your, your beater is, is, is beat out. <laughs> your old car, it won't start anymore, won't work, keeps running down. And then you, you're praying, oh, God, I pray for a car. You're tithing, you're giving, you're doing everything you know to give. And then your brother or sister in the Lord comes up to you and they say, guess what? Praise Jesus. God just gave me a car. And you're like, Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. That's, that's good. I'm so glad for you, Nancy. That's good. And they're like, what's their problem? Well, their problem is it's envy. Bitter envy. It's you're putting yourself up against them. Do you think, by the way, do you think social media, Instagram, Facebook, TikTok, do you think it helps that or hurts that? I'm just going to leave it right there. Do you, do you think it helps you compare yourself to others or do you think it, it hinders that one? Because it's supposed to be interacting that relationship better, right? Okay. But sometimes we get on there and we see the best 100 photos of a person. 
<laughs> Do you ever get on Facebook or you get on one of those and you see someone and you're like, who are they? I just saw them yesterday. They don't look like that. <laughs> They're at least 20 pounds bigger than that. <laughs> Come on, somebody. I know they don't look like that. What was that? Did they Photoshop that or was that from like 10 years ago? Somebody. See, you look at something and you're thinking, what in the world? Well, why do, we put, why do we put, I'm not saying put your, there's other people who go to the other extent, and they'll put their mess on there, and you're like, at least get dressed. <laughs> They're like, I don't care what we do. <laughs> we don't want to see that unsubscribed stop follow. We don't want to see that either. <laughs> I'm not saying put your worst out there. But I'm saying we live in a world that is their constant comparison. You know what I mean? Constant comparison. And he's saying when you have bitter envy and notice self-seeking, not only am I comparing, but I want the upper hand. Well, I'm a little bit better. Well, I got a little bit more. Well, I got, well, I'm there too. I'm right there too. Self-seeking. Where there's bitter envy and self-seeking exists, it says, uh, do not lie and practice against the truth. This, wait, I'm going ahead of myself. If you have bitter envy and self-seeking in your hearts, notice where it is, in your hearts, do not boast and lie against the truth. This wisdom, he's still calling it wisdom, but it's, it's man's wisdom. It's not God's wisdom. This wisdom does not descend from above. What wisdom? Comparison. Self-seeking. Envy. This wisdom does not descend from above, but is earthly, sensual, and, whoa, what's that word? Demonic. I thought demonic was just like for Ouija boards and, and, and inviting evil spirits and, and seances. No, no, no. It's, it's in comparing yourself to other people. That's where demonic gets in. The de- you don't need to have a seance or a Ouija board to get into the demonic. You can just get into social media and get into the demonic. You can just get into comparing yourself and you feel like a loser at the end of the day when you get around that person. It's not the person. Well, it's them. No, no, no. If it's them, why does it happen to you not only with them but with others as well? Or you don't want to be around. I'm not I'm talking with them. I'm not answering their call. You know what I mean? The text comes in. I'm not answering their text. Well, why not? Because of something it does. See, we're not talking the outside. We're talking about the inside. Envy and self-seeking exist. Their confusion and every, it says, verse 16, Every evil thing are, what's the last word? There. Confusion and every evil thing are there. Where you have envy and self-seeking in the same place you have confusion. Sometimes you'll get in in an atmosphere and you're like, why is there so much confusion going on? Anybody relate? In an office, uh, at work, and you're like, why is there so much confusion going on? Because there's probably some self-seeking and envy going on in there, right? So what do you need to do? Don't try to, well, I'll show them, I'll tell them. No, you're just going to bring a little bit more confusion to the table. Notice, confusion and every evil thing are there. It's not just about what you do. It's about how you do it. It's not just about what comes on the outside. It's what's on the outside. In what spirit are you serving? In what spirit are you working during the day? In what spirit do you give what you have? What's the motivation? 
He says, but the wisdom that is from above, say the wisdom that's from above. And whose, whose wisdom is that? Now, if I were described to describe the wisdom that's from above, I'd probably say it's full of knowledge, it's full of understanding, it's this, it's that. But I want you to notice, the wisdom that's from above is first, what's the first word that describes God's wisdom? Purity. You ever heard of drugs that are laced with things? You know, like, like weed. You know, it's, it, it wasn't the weed that messed them up. It was, it was laced with LSD or it was laced with coke or it was laced with something else. Okay, I'll stop talking about that. I don't want to excite somebody in here. But it was what it was laced with that killed them. It wasn't what they knew was in there. It was what they didn't know that was in there. Why am I talking about that? Because we hear all the time about how drugs kill, and you say, what happened? Well, it was killed because they just thought they were kicking back smoking a joint. And it, it was laced with something else that they didn't know was there, and because it was laced with something else, they died because it was mixed with something else. Do you know that people can use their gifts with the right intentions, but they, they don't check their heart and their motivation behind it, and they lace their gifts... You know, like lacing your shoes. It's nothing like you lace, you pull two pieces together. You're lacing your gift with self and it becomes toxic. You're lacing your gift with something else and it becomes demonic. You're lacing, you're using, you're a good user of your gift. And people even say, great job. But yet you know that it's laced with something that's not holy and not right and self-serving and you don't know why you're not getting the fruit. And the more, sometimes it becomes a vicious cycle. Like, if people just knew how gifted I was. If people just knew, there's people I know, if people just knew how prophetic I am. If they just knew how musical I am. If they just knew how good I cook. If they just knew how well I speak, you'd let me do it. So what's the motivation behind what you're saying right now? I would say, me, you. What should our motivation be? Love. Because the person who has a gift, I'll tell you what they do and really loves people is they use their gift all the time. Someone came up to me and they said, hey, I have a gift to teach. What do I do? I said, teach. Teach who? Anybody you're around. Whatever platform God gives you. A teacher is a teacher. A teacher will go in, in there and grab a cup of coffee and say, hey, you know what I caught in the word this morning? A teacher will teach. A, pro, a person that flows with prophecy will prophesy, will, they'll speak and say, you know, I, I, was, I was praying for you today and such and such, I had this. I mean, they'll just, you don't need a platform. Sometimes people want a platform to use their ministry. The platform is your everyday sidewalks and your everyday life. Your platform is your family. How's your ministry going in your family? How's your ministry going? I don't know, I want to minister outside of the home. No, how's your ministry going in your home? Because if you, if you, well, I just have roommates. How's your ministry going with the roommates? I hate them. So you think God's going to say, okay, I hate them, but I want to use my ministry because it's my, my ministry out here. How's your ministry go, going with the least of these? Because Jesus said, Whatever's, however you treat the least is how you treat the great. So how's your, people say, oh, what about my ministry? And I just say, how's your ministry going? Well, what ministry? Your life. Your ministry is in here. Your ministry is everybody you come into contact with. But nobody likes me. That's exactly how it would be if you were up on a platform. 
You think, they're, you think they don't like you one-on-one, but they will like you in a platform? No, they'll hate you. The, the higher you get elevated, the more you get hated because you become a target. Maybe the Lord has saved you from more hate by allowing you to work that stuff out one-on-one. Am I speaking to somebody today? The wisdom that's from above is first pure, pure. He says, then willing to yield, full of mercy, good works, without partiality and without hypocrisy. I would, I would think, and I, I even had to look it up and say, is he given the description for love? No, he's given the description for wisdom. Because I would think love is, is pure, love is gentle, love is peaceable, love is full of mercy, love is full of good fruits. No, he said wisdom is. He's saying, you want to show off your gifts? It looks a lot like love. It looks a lot like love. First, pure. Second uh, Corinthians 6.6, 6, it says, by purity, by knowledge, by long-suffering, by kindness, by the Holy Spirit, by sincere love. First Peter 1.22 says, since you have purified your souls in obeying the truth through the Spirit in sincere love of the brethren. First Timothy 5.16, it says, now the purpose of the commandment is love from a pure heart. Second Timothy 1.5 says, when I call to remembrance the genuine faith that's inside of you. What is he saying? He's saying that you have purity. Purity. It's not laced with something else. It's not trying to build up, bulk up, prop up. It's pure. Then he says willing to yield. Willing to yield. You know what willing to yield is? The opposite of it. Or willing to yield, the opposite of it is I'm going to get my way. It's what it would be called a Jezebel spirit. Let me just speak to you about a Jezebel spirit for a minute. A Jezebel spirit is influenced by the demonic, of course. It's not just Jezebel with her fancy eyelids, okay? It causes division in the church. It causes division in marriages and homes. It causes division in workplaces. Jezebel spirit. It's a controlling spirit. Crafty, deceptive, and seductive. It's crafty. It's tricky. It's not always like, oh, I'm going to, yeah, sometimes it's just slick. It's slick, but it's got an agenda. Has a con- an agenda to be in charge, an agenda to control. It's, it's kind of like that, that look that says, all right, okay, I got you. That could be something, I'm not saying, by the way, and by the way, if anyone says, calls you Jezebel, it's not a compliment, okay? They're not complimenting you. Hey, Jezebel, you're like, hey, Jezebel. No, no, no. No, it's not a compliment. Not a compliment. It operates in a more subtle, sinister way. I want my way. I want to be in control. Manipulative. Crafty, malicious, revengeful, cruel, no principles, unrestrained, no fear of God, no fear of man. Jezebel in the Bible, in the book of 1 Kings, chapter 18, you see 18, 20, 21, she was the evil... (laughs) Which she was the evil wife of King Ahab in the Bible. Uh, she was a Baal worshiper. She controlled 450 prophets and minister that who ministered under her care to Baal. Uh, they practiced debase and sensual idolatry, and she reintroduced these practices back into Israel. Jezebel tried to kill all the Lord's prophets. Uh, over in 1 Kings chapter 18. She actually vowed that she'd kill the prophet Elijah. She arranged for the murder of uh, uh, 
to get the vineyard for her husband, King Ahab. King Ahab had all this stuff. And the, the guy who had the vineyard said, hey, I'm not going to give you the vineyard. She said, we'll get the vineyard. You're the king. Right? They stop at nothing. Why? Because the point is I'm going to get what I want. I don't care what's right. I don't care what's love. I'm going to get what I'm going to get. That's a Jezebel spirit. In Revelation chapter 2, verse 20, uh, her name, Jezebel, is used as a synonym for a wicked woman. It's a wicked woman. Jezebel, by the way, died by being thrown out the window and trampled by horses. Just so you know, that spirit doesn't stay alive. But not before she ruined a lot of people, a lot of people's lives. Matthew chapter 18, by the way, we combat these spirits by the word. Matthew chapter 18, Jesus said... I want you to hear what the spirit of what Jesus said in Matthew 18, 15. He said, moreover, if your brother sins against you, he didn't say to be vindictive. I want you to notice what he said. He said, go and tell him his fault between you and him alone. If he hears you, you will have gained a brother. That's the spirit of Christ, not the spirit of Jezebel. Bring unity by private conversations. Bring unity by one-on-one. If someone has come and offended you and said something, go to them alone. Correct in private, praise in public. It's just a good thing to know. Correct in private, praise in public. Make sure that if you're bringing correction, that you bring someone aside and you say, brother, sister, can I just bring this out? When you said this, when you did this, this is the way you know, it made me feel, or this is the way, you know, that it came across, and I just wanted to give you the benefit of the doubt and bring this up to you. Allow them to, allow that brotherhood and that sisterhood to be gained privately, one-on-one. That's how you deal with that. But a Jezebel spirit. Uh, It says in uh, um, Galatians chapter 6, verse 1, brethren, if a man's overtaken in a trespass, you who are spiritual, be vindictive against them. No, he says, you who are spiritual, restore such a one in a spirit of Jezebel. No, in a spirit of what? Gentleness. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to correct him. I'm going to correct them. They did wrong. They stepped out of line. That's a Jezebel spirit. I'm going to put them in their place. That's what not one person do I know in this room today ever wants to operate or nor does operate in that. Amen. Can somebody say amen? But we want to operate in the spirit of gentleness and the spirit of the, the fruit of the spirit and self-control, not the Jezebel spirit. You, you who, are, who are spiritual, uh, uh, considering yourself lest you also be tempted. In other words, don't think that you're so high on your church mighty horse that you can be up here and like you can never fall because I've already achieved and arrived. No, you know, you may be the one tomorrow that needs some mercy. You may need tomorrow to be the one who fell and you need someone to pick you up, not kick you when you're down or trample you, right? And then he says the uh, good fruits in James 3.17. He says good fruits, that they're pure, they're pure, they're, they're willing to yield, they have good fruits. Your gift plus love equals good fruit. Your gift plus self equals rotten fruit. So he's saying, if you have love mixed in your gift, you'll be able to feed people and they'll go, oh, you, do you know there's nothing like good fruit? Somebody say, yeah. Uh, I mean, when you get a banana, what's your favorite? Fa- Somebody just yell out your favorite fruit. One, two, three. All right, that's right, bananas. Okay, so bananas, there's nothing like a good banana. 
I mean like a perfectly ripe banana. I mean, you eat that, you're like, man, this, this, was, this was the fruit. This is the best fruit. But you get a mushy, soggy banana, ugh, make you want to let go. Or you get one that's, uh, that's, that's green. How is it? Ugh. Do you know that your gift mixed with self is like a nasty banana? But your gift mixed with love is like a perfectly ripe fruit. You're feeding people. It's, 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 it's not only what the gift is, it's how it's used. And then he says hypocrisy. He says here in, in, in James 3, he says, uh, where envy and self-seeking is this confusion in every worker there. He says, full of good fruits, there it goes in 17, without partiality, in other words, you're not choosing one over another, and without, say the word hypocrisy. Hypocrisy is a religious spirit. Hypocrisy is a religious spirit. The Bible says a lot about hypocrisy. The word in the Greek is hypocrisis, which means uh, a, a reply or an answer. It's a reply or it's an answer. It's really play acting. Like I'm coming up with something. I'm shooting from the hip. I'm trying to make it look right. I'm trying to make it look. I got a filter on this one. I'm, oh, don't worry. You know, someone's like, don't worry. I'll take this one. I'll feel this one. Why? Because you know how to do hypocrisy. You know how to play the field. You know how to do the audibles. You know how to make it look good. You know how to smooth it out. You can be a fixer. Somebody knows what I mean. You can, I can fix this. See, but you, you come and, and you bring those same things into the body of Christ or with the Lord, and the Lord's saying, no, 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 that, that's called hypocrisy. It's called hypocrisy. Sometimes you can tell when hypocrisy is happening when someone's never wrong, when someone never apologizes, when someone never admits fault, and you know you saw it, and they never admit it. I'm not saying they always need to, oh, I'm, I'm an idiot, I'm, I'm bad all the time. I'm talking about when they do fall. Hypocrisy. It's a... Uh, it's play acting. The actions are spoken in dialogue, hence pretense. It's pretense. So a religious spirit is a spirit that replaces a genuine relationship with God with works and tradition. A religious spirit is a spirit that, that replaces a genuine relationship with God for works and tradition. In 2 Corinthians chapter 11, it says, uh, verse 13, it says, For such are false apostles... Notice they were trying to be the apostle. They were false apostles, deceitful workers, transforming themselves into apostles of Christ. And he says in verse 14, and no wonder, Satan himself transforms himself into an angel of light. He's saying these people are trying to transform themselves into apostles. They're trying to transform themselves into speakers. They're trying to transform themselves into, into people who are used in a certain way because they want to come across a certain way. He's saying no wonder. That's what Satan does. He tries to transform himself into an angel of light. Though we know he's not. These people want to look like apostles because they care about appearance. In Luke chapter 12, it says, In the meantime, when an innumerable multitude of people had gathered together so that they trampled one another. There must have been a lot of people there. He says, he, Jesus began to say to his disciples, First of all, what's the first thing he said? Beware of the leaven of the Pharisees, which is... Hypocrisy. You say one thing, but in your heart there's something. Behind that there's something else. The traditions of men that they substituted for the word of God. 
They substituted, they taught religion, how you're supposed to do it, how you're supposed to act. That's why you come into church, you have to dress a certain way, you have to talk a certain way. How are you doing? I'm blessed of God. And you know you're not. I'm doing good. Everything's right. Because, and you say, well, I say that because I don't want anybody to judge me. Yeah, that's because it's full of hypocrisy. What's the opposite of hypocrisy? Real. Real. If you had a bad day, you say, man, I had a hard day. Would you pray with me? Be honest about it. I'm not, again, I'm not saying you put your stuff out, cast your pearl for swines either. I'm not saying you, you put your stuff out and everybody, you know, how are you doing? You know the person that you walk up to and you say, how are you doing? And you know it's about to come. You don't even ask them anymore. How are you doing? Well, Monday, and then Tuesday, and then you're like, I retract that question. <laughs> you know, there's something in there. The traditions of men. Why hypocrisy? Because the Pharisees, why did Jesus call them hypocrites? Because they knew better. It wasn't because they didn't. Jesus, you don't see Jesus putting someone down who didn't know better. They knew better. They knew better to teach something and to pretend to believe God on the, on the, on the other way. They had two different things going on. Hypocrisy, the, the spirit, a religious spirit focuses on the outward appearance, how you come across, how you look, how you, and, there, and there's judgment that's there. The, the, a religious spirit focuses on works, trying to earn God's love, self-righteousness, and, and it comes across, they're hard on people. They're difficult on people. Jesus said you try to strap things on people and you yourself won't even lift a little bit of it. Why? Because your point is to put them down and to put a heavy burden on them so that you could pretend to be something when you know your, your own self isn't even lifting, walking in, 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 in humility and walking in those ways and getting those things right. So focuses on outward appearance, which turns into judgmentalism. Uh, focuses on works, which turns into being hard on people. Focuses into titles and positions. Religious spirits focuses on titles and positions where people see you in leadership. Wanting to be seen by men. James 4, 6 says this, but he gives grace he gives more grace, therefore God says God resists the proud. What does God do to the religious spirits? He resists them. And so do you. Have you ever asked yourself this question before? You get around someone and you're like, why do I resist them so much? Because God does too, sometimes. I'm not saying it's always that way. But I'm saying sometimes you get around someone and you go, why, am I, why is my spirit so resistant against them? Because your spirit was born of God's spirit. And God resists proud people too. So your spirit will, do you know your spirit resists proud people? I'm not just saying proud people like they're labeled. People walking in pride. Your spirit resists, your spirit resists you walking in pride. Have you ever been troubled and you're like, I don't know what's wrecking my heart right now. I don't know what's trouble. I have a war going on. Yeah, that's your spirit resisting the proud. That's your spirit resisting the pride within you. And you're wrestling because you go, what's going on? What's going on is the spirit in 1 Corinthians 2, it says the spirit sees all things, but he himself's not seen. The spirit's telling on you. Who Telling who? Telling you on you. So that inside you're wrestling and you're like, what I need to do, I just need to go to therapy. I just need to go to counseling. No, you need to go to prayer. You need to get on your knees and repent. 
Humble yourself. Somebody look at your neighbor and say, humble thyself. Come on, okay. He gives grace to the humble. Ephesians 2.8, it says, for by grace you've been saved through faith and that not of yourself. Listen, it's the gift of God, not of works. Religious spirits don't want to admit that it's God's gift. Because if it's God's gift, we're all on level playing fields. It's the gift of God, not of works. It's not works that makes us anything. Philippians 2.13 says, let nothing be done through selfish ambition or conceit, but in lowliness of mind. Let each one esteem others better than himself. Someone says, you did a good job. And what do people that are humble say? Hey, I'm just glad to be a part. Thank you. You know, it's not like, oh, no, brother. It's the Lord. <laughs> well, we know it's the Lord. I'm not saying you can't say thank you. But you, you, you consider others and say, but you know what? I, I just thank God that we get to be on a good team. Thank God that we get to all flow together and work together. Why? Because you're considering others better than yourself. And then Romans 12, 9 says, let love be without hypocrisy. Abhor what is evil. Cling to what is good. I want to close with 1 Corinthians 13. Listen, stay with me on this. 1 Corinthians chapter 13, it, the beginning of the verses says this. Though I speak, Nate, you can come up and play. Though I speak, look at it with me. Lean in. Humble, humbly catch this from the word of God. Let the word speak to us today as we close on this. Look at Though I speak with the tongues of men and angels... He had just got done saying in 1 Corinthians 12 all the gifts of the Spirit, tongues and interpretation and words of wisdom and words of knowledge and gift of faith and working the miracles and gifts of healings and all these and prophecy. And he told all these nine gifts of the Spirit. Then he gets to 1 Corinthians 13. He says, by the way, if you use all those gifts, but the motivation's not love, it's all useless. What is he saying? The, the gifts are useless without the love. The gifts are useless without the motivation. Look at it. Read it with that context. Though I speak with the tongues of men and angels. Men, by the way, men, you can understand them. Angels, maybe spiritual tongues. He says, but have not love, I have become. Notice I didn't start that way. But I've become as a sounding brass or a clanging cymbal. All I can hear is clang, 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 clang. I don't, I can't even hear you because you're so full of yourself. That's what. He says, and though I have the gift of I have prophecy and understand all mysteries and all knowledge. What is he saying? He's saying, I have the words of wisdom flowing. I have the words of knowledge flowing. I have prophecy flowing. And I'm, and I'm good at it. He says, and though I have all faith so that I can remove mountains. We see the gift of faith even right here. Moving mountains, doing miracles, changing atmospheres, changing worlds. So that I can remove mountains but have not love. Notice what I am. I am. Say it with me. I am. Why? Because love is the secret ingredient. The compound effect is your gift mixed with love. It's not about your gift. In fact, if there was one focus, it's the love, not the gift. It works by love. He says, and though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor. He's saying, I've given up everything to make sure that person has something. And though I give my body to be burned. You ever been burned? He's saying, I self-sacrifice. But yet somehow I don't have love. It profits me. I want you to notice, by the way, in giving something, he's saying there's profit in it. There's return in it. But if there's giving without love, there's no return in it. 
ministry without love, there's no return. In fact, Matthew 25, didn't he say in the last days, you'll say, Lord, didn't I do this and didn't I do that and didn't I do this? And he says, I never knew you. He's saying there's something missing. It's not just the works. It's what's behind the works. He says it profits me. Nothing, there's no profit in it. I want you to bow your heads and just ask these questions. There's four questions. Am I excited about my gift in operation or am I excited about blessing others? Am I excited about me and my gifts or am I excited about being a blessing to other people? Am I more concerned, next question, am I more concerned about what other, things, other people think about me or about how they are? In my everyday life, my church life, my family life, am I more concerned about what they think about me and my performance? Or am I thinking about how they're doing? Next, how are my gifts serving my family, my friends, and those closest to me? Just think about it for a minute. How are my gifts serving my family, my friends, and the people, forget the people that are far away from you because you can always pretend, but the people that you wake up with, <laughs> the people that you're closest to who's, who know your stuff, who know you, how are my gifts serving them? And then last of all, how are my gifts serving my church family? See, the Lord did write this in the context of, of church, of a church family. Serving one another. How, am, how are my gifts serving this body? If you're part of Memphis Tabernacle, this, this church. How do my gifts serve? Not, well, I want to I serve to be exercised. I want it to be exercised. No, forget you. How do your gifts best serve the body? Serve others. How do your gifts serve one another. Lord, I pray today. Show us what you're saying to us. Thank you, Jesus. I remember hearing this story. I want to tell you this last story. Remember this hearing the story of Yodo, uh, Yodo Full Gospel Church in South Korea. Dr. Paul Young Cho has gone on to be with the Lord. Uh, they were building Prayer Mountain. It was a 24-7 prayer with literally thousands of people in South Korea. They were building Prayer Mountain. And he was raising funds to be able to build Prayer Mountain. And he would raise, he would, he would say, hey, we need some more of this. And we're, this, is where we, this is where we're short. And it was a big place. And he just went week after week after week. And, 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 and the funds weren't coming in. And, uh, and so they had to stop the progress of building Prayer Mountain. And this little old lady comes up after weeks and she was poor and she came to Dr. Cho and she said, can I meet with you? And she brought a rice bowl and some chopsticks. And she said, Dr. Cho, this is all I have. She said, but could you at least sell it and give toward the prayer mountain? And Dr. Cho was so moved with it because he, she said, that's really all I have. And he took it and he announced it to the congregation and they were so moved by this little old lady who didn't have anything. 
that all of a sudden it activated the whole church and the whole church started giving. And I mean, just within days, all that money came in and they were able to build and they finished Prayer Mountain and that church became the largest church, even to this day, it became the largest church in the world. All because this, and he goes back and he would tell about this woman, this little old lady who she activated, and Jesus told the story, you know, the same thing about the woman with the mite, who gave what she had. The Lord's not asking us ever to give what we don't have. By the way, I'm not going to receive an offering right now. Because my motivation is for you to check your motivation. Let's pray right now. Father God, I love you. Check my heart. Open your hands, would you? Check my heart. God, I pray. I pray that this would be a pure church. I'm not talking about the corporate church. I'm talking about the people in the church. I'm talking about my heart, David Dearman. Help me to have pure motives. And when I'm off, Lord, check me. Check me. God, I pray every person in, in this room, Lord, would know Jesus as the Lord of their lives and would be activated in the gifts that you've called them to. I pray against insecurity. I pray against those that would have fear of stepping out and who God has called them to. And I pray, Lord, that it would be motivated by a pure love of Jesus. Jesus' name I pray. Well, I hope you enjoyed the podcast today. And if you did, I'd like to ask you to subscribe to our show. That way the most recent episode will always be in your feed, ready when you are. God bless you, and I'll see you next time on the Memphis Tabernacle Podcast.